0: And peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in 2 Thessalonians. We'll be looking at some other verses in the sermon today as well. Uh, But you may be seated at this time. We continue with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you have seen fit to place your word into our ears and into our hearts so that we might have faith in your Son, Jesus. Lord, we also know that this message can only go forth if we share it so, Lord, today we pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance in, into how it is and that we can share your word with those who need the hope that we have within us. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, o Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are nearing the end of this Rooted and Growing Stewardship campaign. Uh, next Sunday will be sort of the, the, the culmination, the end of, of the whole series as we gather together, don't forget, 9.30 for worship here and then a meal to celebrate afterwards. It's going to be a wonderful Sunday. Uh, but we have been looking these last few weeks at some of these wonderful things that we see God doing in our church. We've talked about how here at Community Lutheran, We are rooted in the word and the work of God, and that word and work of God produces growth in our lives. We talked about how it works in our various vocations and the responsibilities that God has given to us. Last week, we looked at how uh, God is doing that work here within our congregation. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus sort of outside of ourselves, and we're going to see what God calls us to do Uh, in the world with the message of his gospel, as we talk today about that big and scary word in the church, evangelism. We're going to talk about evangelism uh, today and how we share our faith with others. But as we do that, as we've done throughout the entire series, let's begin by looking at these verses from the book of Colossians. This is our, our theme verse for the Rooted and Growing campaign. Let's read these together. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Today we want to think about that little phrase, just as you were taught. Now, what we don't want to do, though, is think about how it is we ourselves were taught, but more think about the teaching itself. Or perhaps better said, how it is that the word of God was shared with you, and how you are called by Christ to share that word, to teach that word, to give that word to other people. And again, we're going to talk about it by looking at that scary word, evangelism. Boo! <laughs> See, uh, we're all scared when we hear the word evangelism. If for some reason, the idea of evangelism conjures up all kinds of anxiety and guilt inside of it. Anxiety because we have these images of having to sit next to that guy in the airplane that we know we should probably tell him about the gospel, but we would much rather listen to our own music in our earbuds. I'm talking about myself personally uh, right now. Uh, we have images of having to go door to door and knock on doors like the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and sort of try and force our beliefs on people who don't wanna have the conversation and we don't really wanna be there either. And so it gives us kind of anxiety. Or perhaps we have that image of sitting down uh, with friends and family and having a hard conversation about faith because they don't believe the same things we do. If that's you, if those are the conversations you find yourselves in, uh, having conversations with those people who are near and dear to you who don't believe in Jesus anymore, that's hard work, and God bless you for it. You're, You're doing good work. But I'll tell you, there are some of us here who are a little worried about engaging in those conversations. And what I'm about to say to you, you need to understand I'm looking in the mirror as well as speaking to you today evangelism can be hard and for many of us we hold back and because we hold back we begin to feel a sense of guilt and of shame because we're not sharing the word of god with people we know who need to hear it. now you might think i'm setting you up right now to say something like this But don't worry about it. God does all the saving anyways. It's all his work. We just kind of hang out. And when the opportunity arises, maybe we say something about Jesus. But he'll figure it all out in the end. Don't worry about it. You don't need to feel bad. You might think that's what I'm about to say to you. But I'm sorry, it's not. I'm afraid that we feel a lot of guilt and shame when it comes to evangelism. Because we've sinned when it comes to evangelism. We've kept the word of God to ourselves. And why have we kept the word of God to ourselves? Because we fear being rejected by people more than we fear love and trust in God. And that is a sin. We don't share the gospel because we don't want to upset anybody. We don't share the gospel because we don't want to break a relationship up that we have with somebody. Now, some people might say, and this is what I have often said, I don't share my faith because I'm not quite sure what to say. But I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) I say that as a defense mechanism so that I don't say anything at all. These are all reasons to keep silent that we give to ourselves that I believe are sinful because we don't fear, love, and trust God above all things. There's other things that are more important to us. And in this way, you have sinned, and so have I. But you also must know that you have come to the right place as that sinner. You've come today to the right place with those sins. Because the God who has gathered you here today is slow to anger and abounds in steadfast love. And he's the very sort of God who comes to forgive people who are ashamed of him. He's the very sort of God who comes to pay for the sins of those who have sinned against him. Just think of God's relationship, Christ's relationship with Peter. Remember the account of Peter? Peter was one of those guys who, very much like many of us here, was ashamed to share the gospel. When Jesus had been arrested and was being taken to trial, Peter followed him kind of at a distance so as not to really be associated with him. But he wanted to see what was going on. And as he sat around the fire with a number of people, they came and began to accuse him of being associated with Jesus. And Peter... The guy who said he was ready to die with Jesus could not stand up to them. He cowered in fear, and he denied that he knew Jesus. He kept Jesus' gospel to himself for fear of what would happen to him. You and I often find ourselves sitting next to Peter at that fire, denying in word or, or without any words that we know Jesus. How does Jesus treat Peter after this? Well, you will recall the account after the resurrection where Jesus is walking with Peter along the road. And he kind of pulls Peter aside and begins to speak to him. And do you remember what he says to him? He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. But what I want you to notice is that they had that conversation three times. Three times Jesus asks this to Peter. And in a sense, he does this to offset the three denials. In other words, what Jesus is doing for Peter here is he is saying, listen, I am restoring you. I am redeeming you. I am forgiving you. Those denials against me, those things you denied, that that time you denied, you knew me. Jesus is in essence saying to Peter, that's the very sin I died for on the cross. And I'm forgiving you for that. And I am restoring my relationship with you. I am redeeming you and calling you still my own. And you and I who have sat next to Peter at the fire denying Jesus also have Jesus walking next to us to say the very same thing to you. I restore you, says Jesus. I forgive you for denying me. I forgive you for all of your sins, even that one. That is a sin that was paid for completely with my shed blood on the cross. And you are forgiven as far as i'm concerned you are completely righteous because of what i have done for you because of my love for you says jesus so we have this forgiveness but notice then what jesus does with peter he says to peter feed my sheep you've denied me i've forgiven you for that but that doesn't mean you you can keep denying me you need to go and start Feeding the people who need to hear my good news. You need to start giving over the goods. You need to become the post office delivery guy. That is one of the greatest children's messages. It was so perfect, really well done. That this is, look, Christ has placed the message in your hand. Now you need to go deliver it to somebody. And that's what Jesus says to us today. We're not all called to be an apostle like Peter, and we're not all called to be pastors or something like this, but we are all given that message that we are called to deliver into the hearts and to the ears and lives of other people. So Jesus sends you and I to do this. But now, as we think about this responsibility we have, we want to talk about why we have to do it. It's always good when you're thinking about things you have to do to start with why. There's a wonderful book, Simon Sinek. Has anybody read the book Start With Why by Simon Sinek? You should read that book. It's not a Christian book, but it's an incredibly helpful book to think about how we do things as people, as families, as organizations, as a church, whatever. Start with why. So why do we do evangelism? Well, the reality is this. We do it because without Christ, there's no hope. The only hope this world truly has is found in Christ Jesus. And the only way anybody will ever hear of that hope is if we share that good news with them. We live in a world right now that is very hopeless. I don't know if you guys have been outside and seen the, uh, the, the Diary of Anne Frank uh, uh, wall pieces that we have out there. I saw the show yesterday. Man, this world, there's not a lot of hope. It's a very dark and sinful world. Sometimes we need to see a show like that to remind us of that. Sometimes we just need to turn on the news remind us of that there's not a lot of hope in this world but there is one place where there is true hope in jesus and the only way anybody's going to arrive at that hope is if somebody tells them about it this is what saint paul says in the book of romans for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved but how are they to call on on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. They have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Why do we need to tell others about Jesus? Because the only way they will have faith in Jesus and have any hope in this world is if somebody tells them. And and it's not just hope in this world, but it's actually to to have any hope on the day of judgment. Because, you see, here's the actual reality we all have to face. And we don't like to talk about this a whole lot anymore, but it's very true. Judgment day is coming. And the only hope anybody has on that day is that Jesus has paid for all of their sins. The only thing we can trust to be right before God on the day of judgment is Jesus. Faith alone in him is the only way to be found righteous on that final day. Faith alone in him is the only way to be welcomed into his kingdom. Otherwise, you have to stand before God and try and prove yourself to him. Demonstrate that your performance was enough, that the world thought what you did was pretty good, so it must be good enough to be pleasing to God. But the book of Hebrews is very clear on this. Apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. We can't be righteous enough before God. We need someone else to be righteous enough for us. And Jesus has done that. If we don't have faith in him, we don't have hope on the day of judgment. Faith then is what is necessary. Paul says faith comes through hearing. And Jesus will only be heard. You and I get up on our beautiful feet and start telling others about what he has done. And we need to understand the nature of what we're doing here. We're not standing up on our beautiful feet to tell people how right we are and how wrong they are. How we figured it out and they just need to get in line. That's not it at all. We need to get up on our beautiful feet and tell people, listen. All of us have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. But all of us have a God who loves us so much that he sacrificed himself so that we might live with him for all of eternity. We have a God who loves us, and forgives us, and restores us, and redeems us. We get up to tell people not that we're right, but that God is merciful, that God loves them and shows them grace and forgiveness, no matter what they're saying. That's why we do this, because the only hope we have in this world is Jesus. But now that we know the why, we've got to kind of figure out the what. What is it that we are to say? Well, we've kind of alluded to it already throughout the sermon, but a helpful way of thinking about it is what we have been learning throughout this entire series. What do we say? We say that we have, as we talked about in the rooted portions, we have a God who has created us and he's created us in love and he's created us with joy and he's created us to live in this this glorious creation. But the reality is something has gone terribly wrong. What's gone terribly wrong is that the chief part of his creation, his people, have rebelled against him. They have rejected him. They have rejected his gifts and tried to build their own kingdom. What's gone wrong is that you and I have each individually tried to live autonomously as our own law apart from God. And tried to define our own reality. And because of this, we are living in a world torn apart by sin and war and bitterness and selfishness and hatred. But God being rich in mercy... Has decided to come and do something about it. God loves us so much, He cannot, uh, He does not want to have an eternity without us as a part of it. And so Christ comes to save us, to forgive us, to redeem us. Christ comes into the sin broken world to forgive sinners, and to, receive, uh, to save us from the slavery of our sin. He comes to restore the creation to its rightful place the way God intended it to be. He came to seek and save the lost, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the wounded, to raise up the lowly. And yes, to tear down the proud, to tear down the abusive, to tear down those who exercise power in evil, self-serving ways. Ultimately, he came to conquer Satan and to overthrow death. And we tell people he has done it by dying for us on the cross on Good Friday and rising again on Easter morning and that resurrection proves that he has overcome the grave and soon he will overcome all that is dying and all that is evil all for the sake of God but all done for you now you tell people this and people might think well I don't I don't need to hear that that's that's just your religious view that's just your your perspective Uh, I don't need you to tell me about this. And there's a lot of people who don't really see the need to hear much about this God and this salvation and this resurrection. But but I do think that there's at least still two reasons why, going back to the why, why this still is important for us to say this message to people. One, because it's true. And this is a perspective we must get into our heads. The message we're delivering of Christ's salvation, of Christ coming and dying and rising, is not a religious opinion that you have. It is not one church's view of the way God works. It's reality. It's what happened. 2,000 years ago, some rabbi, some Jewish rabbi was put on a cross and he died. And then Sunday morning, he came back to life. That actually happened. And that rabbi has a lot of significant things to say about the way things work in this world. That rabbi has the claims that he is God. Well, if he's died and come back to life, he's at least earned the opportunity to speak to us. We should probably listen to what he has to say and the truth is he says that that death and that resurrection is going to make all things new and it's proof that I have come for you and that God loves you it's true it's good news it's glad tidings it's not an opinion or a religious viewpoint it's what Christ did for us second it's such good news because people do know as we've said already people know things are not right in the world People recognize that the more you push people on this, the more they recognize things are not the way they are supposed to be. I can guarantee you, nobody else walking around right now saying, you know, I think we finally got it all figured out. Nobody thinks that way. Why? Because things are falling apart. And if we're honest with ourselves, in those sort of moments of clarity, we can all recognize that we're a part of the problem. Everybody sees this. But you and I have been given something from Christ that helps us in these circumstances the promise of forgiveness and the hope of eternal life, the resurrection of the dead. We have the message that brings light and salvation. So, we know why we do it, we see what we're supposed to say, but now the question becomes, how do we do it? And and I get this question a lot. How are we at Community Lutheran Church doing evangelism? And it's an important question, and I recognize that we need to do better at that here. This is something I need to confess to you, that that I'm not doing a great job of helping us do outreach and evangelism in the community. It's not a strong point of mine, and I need to improve on it, and I I pray you would forgive me for that. But I also want you to recognize uh, that when you ask me, what are we doing about evangelism, you are also part of we here. We're all part of this church together. So what are we doing to reach out to other people? And, and I think when we ask the question, how are we doing this, or how should we do this, there's, there's sort of a, an implied question there that says not just how do we do this, but how do we do this effectively? How do I do it so that it works? Which is a very American way of thinking about it. How can I effectively tell people about Jesus so that they tell so many other people about Jesus that suddenly next Sunday, they're beating down the doors and we've got 600 people sitting here in the sanctuary. How do we do that? I know, I just don't want to tell you. Actually, that's that's not how it works. This is what we kind of need to understand. Our job is not to quote-unquote be effective. Our job is to pray. Our job is to pray for the preaching of the word. Our job is to pray for boldness in sharing the word. Our job is to find those opportunities to tell other people about what Christ Jesus has done for them. But the results are not our responsibility. We cannot actually control those things. Martin Luther says it this way, and I think he says it very well. We should give free course to the word and not add our works to it. We have the right to speak, but not the power to accomplish. We should preach the word, the results must be left solely to God's good pleasure. That's a hard thing for us to hear because you know what we like. We like control, we like results, we like to see how we've accomplished it. And we don't get to do that. We don't know the results. We can't guarantee how people will respond when we share the gospel. So then why do it? Well, because we do know one thing. We do know God's will. We do know that it is God's desire that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of his truth. We do know that Christ Jesus has come to pay for the sins of every single human being in this world because it is Jesus' desire that every single human being in this world would be saved. Christ has come and done all the work to save everyone. We know God's will. We know this is what he wants and we know that the only way they're going to know about this is if someone tells them. So we are called to do it. And we pray then that God would work through us. And I think what we need to recognize is this, is that we might not be quote unquote effective in every single conversation. We might not get to lead people in every conversion experience we ever wanted them to. But I think when we get to heaven, we will be amazed to see how the Lord worked through those conversations in ways we could have never dreamed. How the Lord used us at a particular point in someone's life to help bring to mind something that drove them later on to come to know Jesus. I think this is why Paul writes what he does in 2 Thessalonians today. Pray for us. By us he means those who are delivering the word. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as has happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and he will establish and guard you against the evil one so we pray that the lord would would uh continue to bless the proclamation of his word both sort of in the pulpit but also yes in the mission field and also in our own lives knowing the whole while that god is watching over us that christ is with us and that god is working through us to bring his word into people's lives and i know that it does ultimately and finally work how do we know this how do we know that god's word is effective Look at the pew you're sitting in this morning. You happen to be one of those people who somebody brought the word to. You happen to be one of those people for whom Christ Jesus sent a, a preacher, a speaker, a deliverer of the good news. The mailman with the, with the word of God came to you and put it in your ears and your hearts. And you know what? Your heart was solid rock in sin. And Christ broke it, and he entered in, and he made you his own. And now he is working through you to bring his message to others. You see, the good news is this. Our God is faithful. He forgives you. He chose you. And now he's using the words from your lips to deliver everlasting life. So be bold. Fear not. Open your mouth and share the good news. Now we conclude with the blessing we heard from Thessalonians today. And may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God, to the steadfastness of Christ Jesus. Amen, we pray. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for the message that has saved us, the good news of Christ's work for us. But Lord, we do pray that you would make us bold in sharing this good news with others. Lord, help us not to be afraid. But Lord, more importantly, we pray for those who would hear this news, who do not know it yet and do not trust it yet. Lord, help them to see all that you have done for them. Help them to know the love that you have for them. Help them to know that the hope they have is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus loves them.